Hi, this is Stuart Hardy with All In Sports Outreach, and I'm excited to share another episode of our podcast with you. Today, you're going to hear from Jeff Sherman. He's currently the head baseball coach at Flower Mound Marcus High School, Flower Mound, Texas, here in the Dallas area. He's married to Sarah, and they have three kids, ages 10, 8, and 5. A solid man of faith, solid man of character, extremely passionate, extremely full of energy, and you will get a glimpse of that in this conversation. I cannot wait for you to hear from Jeff, so let's jump right into it. Well, thanks for joining me today, Jeff. Oh, thanks for having me. You bet. So I always like to start each episode with a little bit about yourself, kind of where you're from, you know, your family growing up. You know, we talk sports in this podcast, I mean, what sports you played, and then um, a little about your family today. Yeah, um, I'm from this area. I, you know, um, I coach at the high school that I went to, so I'm from this area. I really know this area. Um, yeah, and so I um, was born and raised in Louisville and went through LASD um, all the way through, and then from there... You know, I have a, have a younger sister that's five years younger, so we kind of had that different age gap, if you know what I'm talking about. Like, So mm-hmm. we never were really in elementary school, or we weren't in middle school together, or we weren't in um, high school. So you know, I was almost kind of like a only child at the same time, and um, my dad and uh, my mother like really pushed me in sports. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm dyslexic, so I found out at an early age that I was dyslexic and have a lot of learning disabilities. So like, I was never good in school like ever you know I had accommodations I had a lot of different things that went on and reading comprehensions and stuff like that so you know I was always in those special rooms I guess you would say when I had to take tests and all that kind of stuff so like my outlet was sports and so I played them all um you name a sport I probably played them besides like maybe rugby or cricket you know is um but that put me in everything if there was something locally that I would play uh, that was going on, and it could be multiple sports. He put me in just be active. Plus, I was ADHD, so that probably um, was a good uh, <laughs> a good thing. So, yeah, I was raised, and um, you know, uh, you know, um, went to college, played college baseball. Um, was fortunate enough to go. I went to uh, Paris Junior College, and then from Paris, I went to uh, uh, Missouri Baptist University. And uh, uh, when I was at Paris. Uh, my wife is from Paris, and so she was at Baylor University, so we did the long-distance things for whatever, and so um, we were, I guess you would call us college sweethearts that never saw each other. Um, because we went to, uh, as being a baseball player, you, you play summer league, and so you play all over the country. So I played, you know, Kansas City or all over the country and um, during that time, so I never really saw her. And so we got done with college and, uh, you know, I asked her to marry me my senior year in college. I knew I probably wasn't going to be a professional baseball player, which that was my journey, my goal, you know, obviously going through. But uh, at the same time, I uh, really enjoyed, uh, you know, uh, my time. So we ended up getting married. We got married real young. Uh, I was like 22, 21. She was 21. And we both finished. She finished early at Baylor. She did three years. I did the whole four-year thing. And when we got done, we moved back to um, Texas here, and I was a financial advisor, and uh, she worked for the Leukemia Lymphoma Society, um, and we've been married 15 years, and and, uh, we have three children, one that's 10, uh, 8, and 5. I have a girl, Harper, a boy, Brody, and then another boy that is Walker, so. That's awesome. So... Before we go to the next question, I appreciate you sharing that, especially about the dyslexia. As a dad of a daughter who's dyslexia, I understand what kind of 
starting to understand it more. She's sixth grade, so kind of walking through the whole accommodations and oh yeah, yeah. It's a it's an interesting road for because I didn't grow up around that, so it's been yeah. very educational for my wife and I. Trying to learn how to push her and make her feel. Like she is good at school, uh huh. You know, uh-huh. through the struggles. I appreciate you sharing that. No doubt, and you know, uh, I was real lazy, so I, 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 I wish my dad was a little bit tougher on me as far as education, yeah. and so that's tough. So let's talk about your faith journey for a moment. Um, <laughs> you know, did you grow up in a family of faith, and then at what point in your life did you realize, you know what, I need, I need a relationship with Jesus. Yeah, that's a great question. That's a deep question, too, um, uh, because uh, my journey was is definitely um, my story, I guess. And, uh, you know, I I was I was not raised in a uh, I would say a Christian home, I would say that. But I would say that we had the Christian values like we were the socialist um, or the socialism of, 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 of Christianity. You know, we would do our deeds. We would do these things and I'd be disciplined like a Christian, you know, and really turned me off of the of the faith when I got into high school, to be honest with you, you know, because, um, you know, you get challenged into, you know, things like what would God do in this situation? You need to be like God, you know, and, um, uh, you know, it, it was really this like really hard nose. Like I, I had this uh, concept of God when I, at an early age, to be honest with you, was of this like, you know, very structured, very um, demanding and uh, uh, I would say the word fun comes out, but I mean, more of like no love. Like it, it's like you have to be this way. And I was like, I don't want to be a part of this. Uh, and then, you know, when I get into high school, I, I, I you know, you start to like combat um, like Christianity. Like mm-hmm. I was legitimately into that. Um, I, you know, I, I was telling you earlier and I, I was telling you like, was I atheist or was I mm-hmm. humanist? I, I don't know, but I, I would say this, that like, I did not believe in God. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did not have a concept and I, and I really challenged it too, to be honest. Like, you know, I, I called it like myth, you know, like you believe in this myth, you know, like mm-hmm. you believe in this thing that resurrected and, um, you know, and I would challenge my faith friends, you know, and, uh, it, it was never really cordial, um, honestly. Mm-hmm. And, and I'd be honest, like they probably didn't know like their faith, honestly, as, as much as I, as much as I do today. And, um, uh, through that, um, through my conversion. Um, but you know, so I, I really dealt with that and I really dealt with, um, um, a lot of, of like, um, like why, like, mm. why would God be, you know, this hard nose? Like, you know, I was even telling you this, like, you know, the thing that always crossed my mind, why would good things ha- or why would bad things happen to good people? Yeah. And, uh, you know, and why would a God allow that? Mm-hmm. You know, and so those are the things I wrestled with. So I go to college. Now, listen to this one. This is pretty interesting. So I go to Paris Junior College, obviously secular school and mm-hmm. um, stuff like that. So we we all lived in the same dorm. And so think about this, like, you know, there's there's 35 people, 35 men all coming there. They're just fresh out of high school or a year out of high school um, in a dorm that is like built in the 40s. Mm. All right. (laughs) Cinder blocked, you know, I mean, old school grinding. And you're I mean, we are we are practicing, you know, from, you know, sun up to sundown. I mean, or we're in school. I mean, it's one or the other. I mean, it's just it's hard nose, um, really I mean, I wouldn't say beat down, but it, right. but it was. I mean, it, te- it taught you how to appreciate the game of baseball. So, um, 
during this time, there was only one believer. Mm. And he wow. was my second baseman at the time. His name was Scott Blanchard. He lives in St. Louis. We actually went to Missouri Baptist together. And so during this time, I would always, like if he made an error, I would literally say this to him. I'd be like, oh, your God made you make that error? Wow. And stuff like that. But there was just something different about him. It was, it was pretty interesting. Like he was, you could tell he's ticked off and not, not. Yeah, you know, excited. So, um, you know, and I probably used other language uh, that that I can't share here, but like on the uh, that would use to him. But it was really interesting, though. Like during that time, is is um, you know, um, I start. I went to his room. I just remember this, and uh, you know, I had some uh, tough things happen in my life. Not that they're anything tough that normal people go through, you know, it was death or if it was, um, anxiety or girlfriend break, whatever it may be. I I was going through this like rough patch of, I would call depression, you know, and then, you know, you, you add on the dyslexia, you add on the, um, dysplasia and then me being ADHD and, um, you know, you just start to come to this, like, what is my worth? Mm. And so what does matter mean? Like, what, what, what's my purpose? And so, um, you know, and, and here's my biggest thing of like my conversion is just understanding like purpose. Mm. And so like I I looked at it like, am I just like this animal over here? Like is my purpose on earth? You know, when I die, is it over? So like I can have purpose and a legacy that I, I bring on earth, but a trillion years from now, like I mean nothing. Right. You know, 10 years from now, am I just like this rock that is probably going to live longer than me, you know, and be on this earth longer than me? And so I started like grasping this and like started to understand like there has to be more purpose to death. And so like um, I started asking these questions and stuff like that. And then and ultimately when I was a, uh, a sophomore in college, I think that's where it the conversion happened and the conversion happened, um, from that just to me to understand that from Genesis to revelation that one, there is purpose, but there is judgment. But at the same time with judgment, there's love Mm. and me understanding that love because of judgment, because I can't love without understanding what judgment means. You can't love someone. I can't love. I can't love you. And if you tell me to love you, I'm not going to. Right. right. And so I have to understand. So there has to be. Then it goes back to like, why do bad things happen to good people? Is like for me to understand that I got to understand the bad and the 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 death of things for me to understand what love means and why he died for me. And so I think that's what really like blew my brain up. Like. Ah, and then, you know, and, and then me starting to understand like the resurrection and mm-hmm. it all means from that resurrection and why the resurrection is so important to us as believers in Christ and, and who Jesus is. So anyway, so, uh, from that, um, uh, th- that was real, real to me. And, um, you know, that's where the faith journey like really came and like, you just felt like this weight just completely lifted off of me from that moment. And, you know, we call it as believers, we call it born again, you know, and that was my, um, you know, that was the day I, I I knew I was going to live eternal life. That's when I realized that like my purpose here has nothing to do with, you know, the pain and suffering and all these kind of things that could happen, the anxieties that I might go through and stuff like that is, is when I die, you know, that's when, uh, you know, we call paradise, you know, the afterlife. Right. And so that's awesome. 
so that you were what 19 20 years old i was 19 wow. yes sir 20 i shoot i was in that range there yeah. it was my sophomore year in college so 19 yes sir yeah. that's awesome <clears throat> so let's you know let's talk we'll get back to faith in a moment let's talk some sports from it so i mean you, you mentioned your your back coaching at the high school you you graduated from talk about the the journey to get back to coaching here at Flower Mound Marcus? That's a great question. So, like, I teach this class called Teen Leadership, which is an awesome class. So, um, uh, uh, so I was a financial planner for, like, five years. And so during that time, um, uh, you know, I, I feel like I was missing something. It's kind of crazy. You know, it's not that I was chasing money or anything like that, but, like, I, it goes back to that purpose. And, and, and with that purpose, you know, you feel, uh, uh, like, the impact and, like, I knew without a doubt, like, the only thing I'm ever good at was baseball. Like, mm. I strive. I mean, it, it takes me, you know, it, you know, it might take you three hours to read a book, but for me, it might take me six days, you know? Right. So, you know, just because of uh, still, I mean, I'm going to struggle with dyslexia for the rest of my life, you know? I'll get to the end. It might be a roadmap, but yeah. I'm going to get there. <laughs> I'm going to get there. But, um, uh, and, and, and I just... You know, I, I felt like the American dream for me, like, was, you know, hey, be this hardworking, grind uh, type, uh, you know, purpose that, or person that I really thought I was, but I wasn't. And so I, I went back and I got into education and, and it came back to impact. You know, it, it's, and I'm sure, you know, listening to your podcast, like to everybody that's been on here, it, it talks about that point mm. is, you know, we get into this, not for the money or the glory of our success, but we're getting into this to the impact of others. Mm-hmm. You know, do we successfully do that? Absolutely not. Cause we're fallen creatures. You know, do we get intense? Do we rub people the wrong way? Do they agree with what the way that we think? Absolutely not. And that's the design of man. Right. And, um, but at the end of the day is, is like, uh, my journey to get here, I, I, I was fortunate enough, uh, Mike DeWitt, who was on your, um, podcast, I was, I was getting mentored by him, honestly, um, at church at Prestonwood. And he's like, dude, you need to be a coach. You need to be a coach. He was at Frisco Liberty at the time. Yeah. And, uh, Frisco Centennial needed a, needed a, um, someone to hire. And so at the time, um, like two weeks before I decided, you know, I'm going to do this alternative certification process. So I went and I just interviewed with them, uh, with, with this guy named Mark Howard, who was at Centennial. I walk into the room and he goes, all right, I'm going to be straight honest with you. I, uh, went over to Frisco Liberty and they said, Hey, do you have a good person that we can hire? Because we need to hire one person and it was after the deadline. He can't be at another school. It was just like a little perfect storm. And Mike DeWitt overheard the conversation and goes, you need to hire Jeff Sherman. He's like, wow. send me the number. And he goes, Mike DeWitt told me I need to hire you. Like, hands down. He's like, can you coach football? I was like, sure. Sure, why not? Yeah. <laughs> I know you can coach baseball. He's like, will you work hard? I was like, yes. He's like, okay, now go to the principal. I go to the principal. He's like, uh, you know, ask me a couple of questions. I was there for maybe 30 minutes. I walk out to the parking lot. Mark Howard offers me the job when I'm in the parking lot. And that's my journey. And that's where I started. And I worked my rear end off um, as a football coach. And I ended up having um, the first year was rough. Uh, you know, I, I pulled a lot of all-nighters and uh, trying to understand the game. Uh, from a strategy standpoint, right. obviously I watched it my whole life and I'm a big fan of the sport, but you know, and then moved on. And, uh, so then, uh, I knew at Marcus high school, this is where we coach now. 
where I coach now. You know, seven years ago, um, prior to me, there was there was I think there was five coaches in an eight year process. Wow. And this is a tough coach. This is a tough place to coach. I, I'm going to be. I mean, uh, uh, I've been on. I'm the longest tenured coach at Marcus besides softball. Wow. Right now, um, and I've been here seven years. I mean, it is a tough. The expectations here are out of control. You either have to win, and if you don't win, um, you're probably going to be gone. And right. if you win, and you let's say you don't play the right person sometimes, yeah. you could be gone. I can see um, This is a, you know, um, uh, a great place to be, but at the same time, a tough place to be. I, I tell people, I, I tell my Brisco all the time, I was like, the, I, I'm coaching at the toughest high school in the state of Texas, mm. you know, from all realms. And, and I don't mean that to be from like, um, from a pride standpoint, it's just, I think it's truth. I think statistics show us that it's, that, that it's there. So, I'm an assistant coach at Frisco Centennial High School in 2012. I laugh and put my resume at Marcus because it was opening like, oh, let's see if I can get a job here, you know, and stuff like that. And I've been interviewing all over the place. In fact, I interviewed in Frisco like nine times and they said no to me. And so then I go to um, uh, uh, College Station High School. So I'm interviewing at College Station High School. And uh, I get a call as I'm driving back from College Station for my final interview at College Station High School uh, for the head baseball job. I drive back and I get to Marcus. um, And the the secretary calls me and says, hey, uh, we have five finalists and you're one of them. When would you like to go? I called you first. And I said, you tell me. I'll go first. Yeah. Perfect. So I go first. And I go in there and I I call her back real quick and I ask her. And I go, hey, uh, how many people are going to be in this interview? And she said, oh, five. So I make up five booklets and I go in there. I walk into that room and there's 17. And I'm like, oh my goodness. So anyways, so from that moment, um, uh, I walk in there and, uh, you know, me not being a head coach, I, you know, gave them my details and explained exactly um, what we were trying to do and what we're trying to accomplish, you know. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we... um, I, I get the job and we start that journey and we've had awesome success and at the same time we've had um, you know some trials during that whole time too but uh, you know it's been an unbelievable process from since I've been in coaching you know uh, from the very first day to the to the last day. Wow, wow. I mean, that's a a unique coaching journey though. Yeah. To to go from assistant coach to come back to your own Marcus yeah Yeah. and you mentioned Mike DeWitt I will just remind listeners yeah I think it's episode number three he was one of the very first guests so go check out that episode as well so so now we're sitting here recording this uh baseball season started yeah yeah uh we were talking before we hit record about some rankings just came out so what's the outlook for Marcus baseball this year, I mean, we know it's a tough district with Cottonwood, yeah. Flower Mound, and you guys. So, what's what's the outlook for for Marcus? So, yeah, I mean, I I think for us, the outlook is is that we're young mm-hmm. um, with um, some veteran pitching, and and you know, last year we were fortunate enough to uh, make a long run, and we we lost in. Um, prior to the state championship to, you know, South Lake in the regional finals at Dr. Pepper Park. And um, I would say this, like in the papers and stuff like that, we never were ranked or uh, not ranked. We were never to win a series except for, I think, one out of 
the five that we played in. Oh wow! And and we just, I, I think we just willed, and we were tough, and we were hard uh, to to beat. I mean, it's just like we we played really well in postseason. We started out district one and three, and we ended up getting third, and then we made this journey to the state championship with our own district opponent in Southlake in the regional finals. But um, what is our outlook for this year? I, I would say, like, you know, is is definitely try to get into the playoffs. And then from the playoffs, as we all know, is, like, if – if you can hit it right, and we've had those runs. We've been the regional finals twice. We've been in regional semis three times and uh, since I've been here. So, you know, I think we have enough guys to uh, definitely repeat that. But, again, you know, you, you can run into one of us like we were last year who right. wasn't, you know, maybe the most talented team, but we definitely um, played really well. So That's awesome. So what role, um, I mean, just sitting here talking to you, mm-hmm. very passionate, um, passionate guy, fiery. So what role does your faith play um, in your position as head coach? And then you also mentioned that this is a tough place to coach. So from a faith perspective, any resistance? You know, my very first year I did. Um, it, it, it was pretty tough. You know, the very first day I kind of give my testimony, honestly. And the next day I have a handwritten letter from a lawyer telling me about my um, – uh, that I need to cease and desist that before I get fired. You know, it actually happened twice. I had two separate times of like, I had like, uh, you know, that a principal has told me that I need to apologize for, um, you know, my faith and understanding that. And, the, and there is this, and, and let me be clear, like on this stance. And I, I think we need to like understand that because of my faith of who I represent as a believer in Christ, that, that, In America, when our Christian brothers founded this country, they gave us a freedom of free will of what to choose. They didn't say we have to be Christians. That's right. And I absolutely love that. And so if you look at – I do not want my school to come in and say you have to teach Buddhism or you need to teach this religion. Mm You know, and we can always like talk about like, uh, you know, that there is religion in school and that they're teaching this type of religion, which at the end of the day, as a believer in Christ is, is like my testimony and who I am and who I represent is my job to, as Christ gives me to share with a non-believer or to not argue, but to speak to, um, And show them, like, the truths that are in the Bible. And I do not want non-truths to be in my school. Therefore, my representation of what I need to be teaching my my team is needs to be a Christ-like team. Now, do I fail that every day? Absolutely. But at the same time is... Is like I want to make sure I'm clear that there needs to be a separation of church and state. I don't want the the state to come into my church and tell me I have to speak this way. And I do not want a temple or whatever to come into the school and tell me I have to do it this way. That's right. And so I love that role. I love how we have that freedom and we have that opportunity. So, but at the same time, me being employed employed by the state. And by our government, um, that I know this without a shadow of a doubt that there's not believers on my baseball team. There's not believer that they actually might disagree with this podcast, 
which is fine. That's great, you know, and I'm open for that debate uh, to come in and right. we can speak through that. However, um, uh, so therefore, should I oppress upon them on their beliefs in a school setting. So like, I have to be like really careful on that. And I understand that like now my pride kind of got in the way and there's strategic ways to do that. And that's the church needs to come embody the, the school, you know? And I think as Christians, I think, I think that's where we fall short is community Mm, and community involvement. And, you know, I, 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 I yell at all the, I mean, we have, you know, now my baseball, we're, we're, we're in, we're at a baseball field right now. And, um, I have a top 100 church that is less than a half mile or less than a half mile. It's 45 feet from our parking lot. And then I have another one that, that is half a mile down the road. That is a top 100 ch- largest church in America, top 100, you know, and how many youth ministers have been to our mm. practice wow. that I allow, Wow. you know? That would be like, hey, man, yeah, come and uh, throw batting practice, you know, you know, um, you know, come and uh, just hang out on the side and just introduce yourself, you know. And it it talks about like the church coming within us or the community coming and serving and helping. You know, I think that is what, you know, I think we're missing as far as like, you know, where's the involvement and where's the involvement within the community to uh, provide and show the Christ-like or, or, you know, a representation of, of our faith, you know? And so again, so, um, but we do have some cool things. We have a guy named Robbie Mitchell that, uh, definitely comes in and, um, you know, obviously builds relationship, totally relational. And, uh, he comes to our practices all the time. He's a, he works with young life. And so again, so like, I guess that's my thing. And I had David Murphy come and talk yeah. and he gave his testimony and, you know, it just talked about his story. It wasn't really a testimony. I just say his story about, um, you know, again, like I'm speaking here and he's got a you know, phenomenal story. Yeah, it's great. And so, um, anyway, so, you know, like what is my role and what is my, you know, as far as my faith and what I do and stuff like that is, is, is model. Like, I think it's simple things of how I treat my kids and, um, how I treat, uh, my wife and hopefully that that could be a model of, you know, you know, hopefully of like them going, you know, when they are on their deathbed, that they understand, hey, man, Coach Sherman, he lived this way. Wow. You know, and so. That's yeah. some good stuff. Very good. I mean, we could probably record another episode or two just on that topic of the community and schools. And that's something my wife and I are very passionate about is uh, we're public school parents and feel very passionate about believers being in the schools. So that's good. I appreciate mm-hmm. that. So let me ask you this um, about athletes you've coached. You've been coaching for a while. Is there one that stands out? You don't have to mention any names that you've seen. You know, you've talked about living out your faith, that you've seen God use you in their life. Oh, yeah. Um, multiple, but, um, you know, one that stands out is a guy I cut, <laughs> believe it or not. Wow. And uh, our relationship to this day, you know, and um, – Really, you know, our conversations, you know, it's about politics, faith, whatever it may be. Um, and, and I don't know if he tries to be that guy, but he tries to counter everything I say. So, but we have a phenomenal relationship. He's in college now and, 
uh, you know, doing really, really well. But he's a guy that I cut, like, believe it or not. Wow. And, uh, uh, you know, and, um, you know, didn't make our, our, our club. But I would say that, like, the impact of that, like, and the journey of our relationship right now is is pretty cool and real, you know, authentic. And um, he knows where I stand. I know where he stands. And we have this huge respect. And uh, we're open in dialogue. And, and even though that we are kind of polar opposites in our uh, thinking right now, but... Um, uh, you know he's 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 awesome, but yeah, there's yeah, and, and that's the kind of my goal is is like you know I I am a tough coach to to play for. I'm not gonna like sit there and give you warm and fuzzies, you know, um, uh, about that. Like I demand excellence, I demand structure, I de- demand punctuality, I demand um, uh, you know respecting others. Um, uh, you know, and uh, hard work and toughness and, uh, you know, you know, those kind of like coach words, you know, oh, yeah. and, uh, you know, and I, I, I can be very intense and I can come across brash and tough and grind and stuff like that. So um, I am a grinder and uh, I'm a hard worker and I, I love my passion of, of, of coaching, but sometimes I can come across a little bit different. So at the same time, I, I, I say that is, is like, hopefully when they're done, you know, that, you know, I have to pause, you know, that, you know, I, I think through this, like I can't be negative today. Can't be negative today. Cause I look at so much of the negative, you know, and, uh, you know, I, as a, as a coach, I think that's my biggest sin within coaching is how much I look into that evidence of speaking to the positive. And so I try to transition that and I try to get better at that. Um, but at the same time, you know, uh, uh, you know, building that relationship when they're gone and trying to, you know, when they come back, it's just like so warming and uh, it's fun when they do come back, you know, at holidays or they text you, hey, coach, or if we make a big win, it's like crazy how many text messages That's I get, awesome. you know, from that relationship. But at the same time is, is like, you know, I'm not perfect or, or try to create this like perfect image of like, I have this, you know, answer that I come on this podcast and, you know, that I'm a perfect believer, you know, I fall short just like everyone else you know I'm a, I'm a, Absolutely. I am I am not perfect by any means but at the same time I, I hopefully have that humility that to show like I'm imperfect like I apologized to my team last week you know because I got a little heated at them and and especially a player on the bus I just apologize like hey I'm better you know and I demand this from you and I didn't dem- and I didn't do it so wow. so hopefully you know showing that humility at the same time you know you know, to earn their respect too. You sure. know, I, I think we have it earned by just being here. Um, and they're great kids, you know, but at the same time, we can totally like get on the other side of that fence. So, anyways. That's good stuff. So, you t- you've mentioned the word grind a lot. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the job is a grind, it's a, the demands and the pressure is there. So, how do you balance that with also being a husband? I'm a dad. Man, it's death. It's it's eternal life. I mean, I, I, as as corny and as a Christian can say, you know, that we always come to that answer, you know, and that maybe someone outside that doesn't believe in why I believe, uh, you know, it's truth, you know. Um, like, why do I have anxieties? What does it matter? Mm-hmm. Really? You know, um, I, I have an awesome wife that thinks the same way I think. However, you know, um, the grind of uh, of knowing me of how hard I work, 
that she has to take over from dad a lot. Mm. And so um, I think that could be a, that's the toughest thing for me for being a coach because um, when I am at home, I'm not at home. It's just part of that job that I do have. Is that a problem I have? Absolutely. Because I'm so, you know, driven for one, maybe success, and that may be the pride, but, but driven to provide the best opportunity for my guys, you know, and then sometimes I can lose that at, at, at home during that grind time. And so, but she does a really good job of showing me that humility. Uh, my wife and my partner, Sarah, that, you know, like, Hey, the kids do matter. And so I would say to you is, is like, you know, to answer that question completely, like, you know, you talk about the anxieties or the pressures or anything like that. I really, to be honest with you, I don't care. Like if people disagree with me, Hey, that's, that's fine. I'm open to, uh, for them to come in and let's speak and let's talk and, you know, I can get better. You can get better and let's have, you know, combative, uh, uh, conversation. So, uh, anyway, so, um, uh, you know, with that, I, I really don't have that, you know, anxiety. I might have the anxiety like, oh, we lost. I'm going to get fired or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, like the other day, I'm like, going, like, I am so weak in the flesh, mm-hmm. you know? So it really doesn't matter um, to me because I know I'm secure in my internal life and my purpose isn't to be a baseball coach. My purpose isn't to be a teacher or even a dad, you know? It, it's to be, you know, um, uh, living through the Holy Spirit and allowing that to. Uh, use me to uh, be the man that I need to be the best. And with that, show love to my wife, show love to my kids, show love to these baseball players and to them that there is love, you know, with, you know, that we are sinners, that we can um, create this love and we have this grace that we do screw up and it's covered by the death that he gave on that cross that particular day that's good stuff man that's good so your kids are 10 8 and 5 are they do they like being around the baseball park uh, so my wife uh did not grow up athletics uh okay. she's like the brainiac smart and very musically inclined uh like piano and stuff like that so yes they love being around the guys they do um they enjoy like the buses they enjoy the team they love the atmosphere and the attention i i will say that but like do they love sport and these sports, I would say absolutely not. Right now. <laughs> and so, you know, my wife is in theater and um, she loves that and she has a huge passion for it, like in the last couple of years. And so um, she's done the cross country and the, you know, softball and or I, I shouldn't say softball. Sorry. She's done, uh, you know, soccer and mm-hmm. all the little things that I guess girls do and. Uh, nothing really sparked her interest. And then she started doing um, theater and um, she's been in like four or five, you know, uh, kind of Broadway shows, you would say, like, I guess that been on Broadway and uh, she loves it. And so That's she's awesome. still training for that as well or doing that right now. And, and my sons, they play baseball, of course. They're forced by dad. And uh, yeah, <laughs> you don't like it. Well, you're going to like it. Yeah. No, uh, but no, it's a thing to keep them active. And they've done soccer and they've done a little bit of football. But uh, my my eight year old is like um, 
he loves like building art, yeah. piano, and stuff like that. So he has this really creative mind, which I love. That's and awesome. I think that's something that kids are missing to this day. Even high school is like the creative mind of reading, writing, um, and, and being creative in their own mind. I think it's like given because they have instant instant satisfaction from their cell phones or whatnot, That's even right. us, even us. I, I don't agree. think there's much deep thinkers anymore. And so I want to really like challenge that too, you know, and especially hopefully in his faith journey, you know, of like being inquisitive of, of why you believe in what you believe in. So. That's good. Very good. So a lot of our listeners, we know, um, I know a lot of our student athletes and coaches, you've already alluded to, um, the balance of being a coach in the public school setting with being a believer. So what advice or encouragement would you offer that athlete or a coach that understands they have a platform but maybe struggling to, to live to live out their faith through the platform of coaching or, or athletics? What what advice or encouragement would you offer? That's a great question because I went to my biggest valley as being a coach in my journey of of being a Christian, I would say, um, was being a coach, you know, because I didn't, I didn't understand that. I, I was like, okay, I, I can't do this, but I can do this. And how do you do that? And, and I think it's like this authentic, like relationship of care for people, I think is everything like I, I challenge to people, you know, um, no matter what their belief system is and, and like living that out, you know, being an athlete, I think being an athlete and trying to teach them to hate, because you think about it right now, as being an athlete, a football player, basketball player, or something else, like you have to, for you to succeed and for you to be great, you literally have to have this thing called hate in your life to be good, you know? Like you have to like hate that you're second place. You got to mm. hate that, you know, that you're playing against the other team. It's like mm. almost like this thing called war. And I don't even, I mean, that's a whole nother thing. Yeah, I don't absolutely. even want to say that, but like, it's this battle between two people that don't agree. Uh-huh. Right. And that person doesn't care about you at all, at all. Right. And actually cheers when you mess up and is excited when you make a mistake. Right, you, you, I've been to a lot of college football games. Like when the guy throws an interception, the other team's gonna be pretty loud, yeah. right? I and the that. fans, right? And um, baseball, when you strike out, if you're the batter and you strike out, I'm sure the other teams are gonna go over there and be like, you know, this Christ-like, hey, you know, okay, I'm, buddy. it's okay, bud. Pat him <laughs> on the butt. I'm sure he's gonna give a little fist bump. He's gonna be excited. He's gonna yell at his team. Team's gonna come out. The, the 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 fans are gonna go crazy. It's like, but like to combat that, you kind of like have this thing is hate. So it's like, how do you be a believer? Mm. <laughs> so here's that's the that's the question of like this kind of thing. But you know what? Christ hated sin. You know, he hated it. Like he wept. He cried. He bled. You know. And wept for it, you know? And so, like, it's not that that, that analogy, like, you know, we're, we're trying to, you're, you're now you're creating feelings and, and stuff like that. But it is tough in athletics to be a believer and to be successful. Mm. And you you might have this platform, but sometimes it, it comes across as hogwash or it comes about like, oh, whatever. You know, you like see Tua and he has the, you know, the cross on his on his eyes, you know, and he's, he's throwing it and stuff like that. Like, what do you, like, is that really representing, you know, 
Christ when he throws an interception. Like people can combat that in so many different ways that don't understand Genesis to Revelation and the understanding of like the judgment we were talking about. Mm-hmm. Like that is the tough one. Like what is like and so it comes back to is that free will and um, you know and that you have that free will and we have this thing called the Holy Spirit that tells us what and when and why and how. Um, uh, so again, um, uh, there's not a perfect answer and I know I kind of like <laughs> went around that no, question a little bit, you're saying. but I think, um, at the end of the day is, is like being active and true in your faith and being consistent, um, with reading and serving and helping, you know, um, is uh, living the internal life and understanding what that means and creating that atmosphere, I think, is is everything. And um, is it easy? <laughs> uh, no. And have I failed and have I been through uh, depression from that? Absolutely. Um, where God kind of just threw me on the ground and kicked me and, you know, made me, you know, really think deep about that. So, um, yeah, that's a, that's a deep question for me because I went through that, that valley of where, what is my purpose as a coach? Mm, I like that though. I like, I mean, I like the way you, you close it up with the word consistent. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's the challenge, whether, whether you're a coach or whatever career field you're in, whatever stage of life, just being consistent every day is, is huge. Show up to work. Lunch that's right. bell. Yeah, that's right. So a lot of people will ask you a couple questions and we'll, we'll wrap it up. A lot of people have like a, a favorite scripture, life verse they call it, or, you know, maybe there's one that God's used in your life recently that you would share, but would you, is there a verse you would share with, with listeners that maybe encourage them? Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, um, uh, Sorry, I'm going to something that just spoke to me this week, actually. Oh, that's um, awesome. But um, yeah, no, I'm trying to pull it up. I apologize. Yeah, that's okay. Um, that's but you know, uh, you know, we'll start. You know, gosh, when you know, going back to like when I first came into Christ, you know, it and, and understanding like John, like the Book of John, which is you know. Um, which is radical and like you see these like, you know, miracles that are happening and people coming back to life and, you know, you're just like, holy moly. And, uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's definitely, um, something that I want, but like, um, uh, gosh, sorry, I'm trying to pull this up, but like the book of Psalms and like, uh, of David's heart, you know, Gosh, what a guy, you know, and, and, and how big of a sinner he was and, um, and, uh, you know, the things that he went through, you know, in his life is, um, awesome. So sorry, I'm, my phone is like going. I like, so there's one you said that you, that spoke to you this week. Yeah. So, you know, I was reading in James and, um, uh, you know, James is, you know, it's just very direct and, you know, um, you know, in my life right now, you know, it, it's talking about in the first half of James of James one, you know, mm-hmm. one through one through 12 and, um, you know, talking about like, 
uh, my lack of wisdom or, or it talks about like the, um, endurance, you know, that's something that like right now, like going through a grind of our season where we just played two tournaments, traveled, we play tomorrow. Um, you know, we're grinding through night practices. We're about to go through spring break. We're about to go through this. And there's like this mental, like almost torture for being a coach because you're playing six games in three days and stuff like that and talking about endurance and mental endurance um through uh and 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 understanding the doubt of faith in like where do i live and where do i what do i live in i should say not where do i live personally but like where do i live in and so my challenge to me through that is uh what, what i'm reading through james is is like how I have to continue going back to the consistency is how God was like showing me like you need to stay in the word. Mm. And so, and the endurance through that will persevere through any struggle that you might have in man. And so, uh, you know, so yeah, that first half of just like talking about like the doubts and the, uh, ridicule that could happen because right now is the time when I get in all the parent emails and that oh, they're yeah. not happy and all that kind of stuff, which is, you know, totally, Part of the job and understand, uh, you know, I, I have, you know, the full understanding of having that. But like being humble in my faith and humble as a as a person is is something that I need to uh, continue to reach to at the same time. I think that's the humility of me. And that's what I went through. You know, I was telling you when I apologized to the team, you yeah. know, like right after that, I read James, you know, one. I was just kind of uh, not really having a clue, but I just remember just like opening it up and going, gosh, I'm so weak. I'm such a dumb butt, you know. So <laughs> anyways, so that really spoke to me. And then like reading through James this week, you know, Obviously, but I, I would say the start of like one through twelve. So that's awesome. You know, it's funny that you mentioned James one, and we've talked about uh, Mike Dewitt quite a bit. And I didn't even realize y'all um, have known each other as long as you have. I cannot think. I cannot remember how many times I've texted him. I've known him for about ten years, and I'll just say, <laughs> "Hey, man, pray for this or pray for me in this." And he always, or most of the time, will text back James one five. If you lack wisdom, ask. Yeah. Or, you know, or, you know, and don't doubt. So it's funny that you mentioned we've talked about him. We've talked about James. You know, you mentioned James 1 because that's one scripture that I can count on. Um, even if I don't even, if I'm not talking to him, I always think about, he's always James 1, 5, James 1, 5, James 1, 5. And that's, that's good. Mm-hmm. So the last question, um, the term all in is a big deal in sports. Everybody in Clemson wears on their chin strap. Yeah. It's just a big kind of just rally cry, but also, um, kind of where we got the name all in sports outreach comes from, um, I'll paraphrase Colossians three seventeen. But Paul yeah. says, "Whatever you do in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ." And so we use that most of like through a sports camp setting of talking to kids that you know you got to be all in and spiritually um, at school, at work, at home, no matter what you know it says in word or deed, and whatever comes out of your mouth, whatever you're thinking, whatever you're doing. So what does it look like for you, Jeff Sherman, to be all in in your daily walk with Christ? Man, yeah, and that's that's uh, dying to self right when I wake up, you know. And I think um, uh, in having that humility to say that I am weak, you know, besides my wife being the first person to tell me that, <laughs> I need to be saying that to me, you know. And uh, you know, that's that that that's the start. Is uh, in and it's funny how non-believers don't. Like they don't see that. Like you, you're telling me that you have this all supposedly loving God that you have to submit to 
of telling you that. Yeah, because I want eternal life, mm. you know? And if I do become sick or if my daughter becomes sick, that I know that I can rest with the clarification of the resurrection and understanding that. So me knowing that death, you know, and dying to self, like it all starts and ends with death. And I have to start my day with death of saying, you know what? I need to die to my son. I need to die to uh, my weakness. Then, you know, being all in to my job that God has given me, mm-hmm. you know, the knowledge of being a baseball coach, the, um, uh, the, you know, the mental toughness, I would say, of bringing that to my team, of like showing them um, what it means to be a great baseball player through mental strength, you know, and stuff like that. Like he has given me that knowledge now using that and uh, creating that for his glory, because everything matters. Like, That's right. like, like that ant matters, you know, like, you know, we can go back to um, millions of years ago if they, you know, DNA or whatever we want to call like everything on earth matters. There's a purpose and a plan for that thing. Mm-hmm. And so like, I need to know that like my purpose today has to be for the kingdom of God. That's and, good. um, but it has to start and end with death. That's a very good, very good perspective. Every day is to, to have that kingdom perspective. Well, I know we've talked um, a couple times already that, you know, this is baseball season is going on. So I know it's a busy time. So I appreciate you taking time, um, to, to record this. I appreciate it. Yeah. I appreciate you guys. And, um, and, uh, just uh, the ministry that you have and, and the, hopefully the impact that uh, through all your uh, podcasts, you know, can continue to uh, provide. So. Awesome. Yeah. Wow. You got a glimpse of the passion and the fire that burns deep within Jeff Sherman's heart and his body. He just has a passion for everything he does, whether it's talking about Christ, talking about baseball, no matter what it is, you just full of fire and full of energy and full of passion. There's so many things I wrote down during the course of recording that episode. Um, One is just being consistent, and that is in every area of our life, spiritually, in our career, um, taking care of our physical health, just being consistent. He talked about um, how James 1 has really spoken to him lately. We talked about James 1, 5, and 6, that if you lack wisdom, you're seeking wisdom, ask God and ask God believing that he's going to provide the wisdom. But the biggest thing I took away from the conversation with Jeff was when we talked about the very last part about what does it mean to be all in in your walk with Christ? He said, wake up every day and die to self. Wake up every day and die to self. Live with humility and have a kingdom perspective. And he, you can hear his passion about being involved in the public schools with a kingdom perspective. Not always preaching at people, but living a life of humility, living a life of love with that kingdom perspective. I hope you were encouraged by Jeff's heart and his story. Please share it with family and friends. And as always, if this episode encouraged you, you can go to iTunes and leave a review. The more reviews we get, the greater the platform we have to continue sharing these stories of faith and testimonies of how God is working in and through the lives of coaches and athletes. Thank you again for listening. 
We always love hearing from you. You can go to our Facebook page, All In Sports Outreach, or to our website, allinsportsoutreach.org. Find out who we are, why we do what we do, see opportunities to pray for us, serve with us, to give. And, and again, most of all, thank you for your continued prayers and your encouragement.